back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake and Gabby Urrutia here to uh, kind of recap. We're, we're not quite there, Gabby, but we're this week will be kind of the midway point of spring, which is kind yeah. of crazy. I don't know. I feel like it's going fast. Oh, absolutely. Um, but they've been through six practices so that seven eight practice um, is officially the midweek. Um, so I think in this podcast we want to give some, we want to highlight some guys maybe that we feel like are impressing this spring, uh, taking some positive steps forward, uh, or maybe just better than we assumed they would be um, coming into spring. Before we get into that, Gabby, I think we should. Um, congratulate the men's basketball team oh, on yep. a fun tournament run, right? Uh, elite eight furthest in program history. Definitely exciting. It was cool to see, uh, you know, Kane's nation rally around the team. Uh, they definitely um, provided a lot of support on social media, etc. So I, I made it clear a week ago that, you know, I feel like Miami's basketball program can be a consistent NCAA tournament team. So hopefully this is the start of a nice little multi-year run. Uh, Coach L has to reload, of course. Um, but again, I think, I think Miami can be a, a destination school in basketball. Um, but yeah, losing 76-50 to Kansas, uh, we will always have that first half Gabby that was a tremendous first half um but yeah you know look I think we don't have to get too deep into this but uh Miami just the way their team was constructed right I think any team that had size and was willing to kind of drag Miami into those deep waters and play that size play with that size was going to be a tough matchup for Miami right And, and of course Kansas made some adjustments when when uh, Wuga got in, you know into the game. They definitely left him wide open from three, um, and, and that obviously didn't go well. But I think on the flip side, Kansas David McCormack, their center power forward, 6'10", 250. He uh, to me, he's what kind of broke the game open for Kansas. Uh, he was six to seven. 15 points and four rebounds in only 18 minutes. And Miami just didn't have any answers for him that size. Um, and, and when you have a guy down there like that, that can, that can open up a lot for, for an offense. And I think we saw the effects of that during the second half, Sam Wardenberg fouled out. That was kind of like the death blow. I felt like when that happened, game was over uh, for sure. But um, anyways, Fun run. Loved it. Let's get more of it in uh, in the future. Gabby, what was your take on the basketball run here? I mean, it, it was incredible, man, just watching the team go through it. I mean, really, you look talk about the roster. I mean, I think in the win against Iowa State, I don't think they had like a single bench point. I think in some for right. a lot of like there's not there was just not a lot of juice coming off the bench. I mean, this was like five, six guys tops that were just making this run happen, scrapping. which is unbelievable. Yeah, just scrapping through it. I mean, grinding through 38 minutes, you know, all that yeah. stuff. So 
I mean, I think you put a similar type of roster together with just, you just continue to stack depth and add quality depth guys that you can actually bring onto the bench and rotate. I mean, really Kansas was just had a bunch of guys that they're sort of moving in and out. And I feel like when you run into a buzzsaw like that, where there's constant fresh legs and just constant production, even coming off the bench, I mean, it's tough, man. So, um, you know, for, for them to get as far as they went, just kind of with that strategy, which is just kind of like, you know, we're just going to go out there, throw our best five out there and whatever happens, happens for them to get to the elite eight is incredible. But yeah, man, I think that this is a, I think it's definitely a huge step forward for the program. I mean, when you just consider the transfer portal and all like the different avenues of acquiring talent, uh, I think Miami is going to be, you know, potentially one of those destination places where it's just like, Hey man, like, you know, we made the elite eight with, with, the, with this group of guys, you know, come be a part of it. And Let's see what we can make happen. I can definitely definitely see Miami as one of those basketball programs that's that's trending up. I mean, like you talked about last time. I mean, Miami in a lot of ways is a basketball town. I mean, when the Heat get rolling, I mean, there's no like the city rallies around the Heat. I mean, with Miami basketball, it can be similar. So you know, I think that uh, you know, my, the UM basketball, Jim Larinaga, all those guys have a chance to really you know pivot the program and and get it going in the right direction. Yeah, Coach L did a very nice job coaching this year's team. Yeah. Uh, he got everything out of what he had to work with, with this year's team. There was criticism early on in the season when they, they suffered that loss to Dayton. I think that criticism was warranted at the time. Um, but look, they made adjustments. That's what good coaches do. And uh, overall a very strong season by coach L. So again, let's keep it rolling. Let's see Miami their basketball program continue to make the NCAA tournament more years than not. Let's say, I don't know, three, four out of three or four years out of five. Let's, let's make the NCAA tournament. Right. Um, that's the way it should be at Miami. In my opinion, uh, let's move on to football, right? Uh, this is a football and recruiting podcast. Gabby, I asked you to provide three names that you feel like have either impressed you or you feel like have taken the next step or that you just want to, wanted to highlight in a good way. Um, so I'll give you the floor starting now. We'll run through your three names and, and have a conversation about those guys and what's impressing us about them. Yeah. I mean, just first one, David, you mentioned almost basically midway through the spring. I mean, Elijah Arroyo is someone that's really standing out to me just, yeah. Uh, you know, especially with Will Mallory sort of out for the spring now. And even before that, I thought he was someone that really was ready to take that next step. And I mean, I feel like we talked about him when he was sort of coming up as a recruit and, you know, when he committed that, you know, he just had a frame as just like one of those, like, you know, big time tight ends. I mean, had a ton of big time schools on him. And I feel like he's matured physically to being a yes. college ready tight end. Like, I mean, really just like the year to year jump for him, I think has just been I, I think it's been awesome. I mean, you look at him and it's just like, yeah, that's a guy I want lining up at tight end for a major college football program. He's just that type of dude, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, we saw flashes of what he could do athletically uh, in his true freshman season. I think he's a guy that is, you know, could potentially be one of those guys that's just like that really takes that next step and puts himself in, you know, maybe the top half of, you know, the, the, the tight ends in the ACC along with you know, maybe a Will Mallory too, but I think Elijah Royal from a talent standpoint, just what we've seen, even has how, how willing of a blocker he's been uh, in spring, you know, even though they're not really hitting a ton, but even just what we've been able to see, I think he is a complete tight end. And I'm really excited about, you know, that, that piece that Miami and, you know, Josh Gaddis has to use in this offense. Cause I think he could potentially be special down the line. Yeah. He's definitely stepped up um, 
since Will Mallory was, was lost to an injury. Um, I wasn't at practice on Saturday uh, because I had to attend a double funeral in the family, but watched the interview with Mario Cristobal following Saturday's practice. And uh, he did say they expect Will Mallory to return. He'll be full go for the start of the season. So that's a good sign. Uh, What I like about Elijah stepping up is, you know, I think at the college level, not many defenses have to contend with two tight end sets. Um, And oftentimes that, that second tight end can get forgotten about by defenses because quite frankly, most college teams don't have a threat uh, that needs to be, that you need to be aware of. Um, So that's what excites me about uh, Elijah kind of emerging because it just gives Josh Gaddis more versatility with the personnel he can use, the formations he can use. Um, and this might be a little, this might be a little hot takey, Gabby, but I still want to go here. Is there a chance that Elijah might be passing up Will Mallory? I mean, I think it's possible. I think we were talking about like an overall, like if you're just looking from a pure talent standpoint, I mean, I think Elijah Arroyo is more talented than Will Mallory. Um, Will Mallory, obviously a vet, a guy that's been around for a long time, but I mean, how excited were we that we land, like when Miami landed Elijah Arroyo, I mean, he was considered a, a top 10 tight end nationally. Um, I, again, just a guy from the state of Texas that just caught a ton of passes um, over there. And it's just, I, I, I think it's possible, man, especially like, you know, Will Mallory doesn't have a history with injuries. We've seen that in the past, again, kind of have that injury now in the spring that's keeping him out. Maybe it's nothing too serious, but if Elijah Royo stays healthy and Will Mallory continues to get dinged up from time to time, I mean, I could see, well, I could see Elijah Royo sort of being the guy for them. And that's not a bad thing. You know, Will Mallory's, you know, he, I think he's a solid tight end one. I mean, I think either way you sort of shake that out, I think it's 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 a solid situation. So if Elijah Royal sort of emerges as a guy, uh, I wouldn't be super shocked. I think that that's a, I, again, I think he's a really big time talent. I think he has a chance to be special. I really do. And, um, you know, so I'd, I'd be, I'd welcome that, honestly. I would love for Elijah Royal to sort of take the job, you know, take the room over and sort of be the guy. I'm not predicting it's going to happen, but I, I think there's a chance as well, right? Because Elijah is just more well-rounded as a tight end than Will Mallory. He can block. He can go out and catch passes. He can be a yards after catch threat when he does catch passes. Um, Will Mallory can catch passes and he's a yak threat as well, but he's not as good of a blocker as Elijah. And so, um, you know, if we're just saying which tight end is more likely to stay on the field in every situation, I think it could be Elijah Royo, uh, tight end one. Will Mallory plays a lot, but you kind of line him more in the slot um, and make him kind of that pure pass-catching tight end. Um, and this is the point with recruiting, right? You always got to stack talent because injuries happen competition's always a good thing, brings out the best in everyone. And uh, right now, Elijah's stepping up and taking advantage of his opportunity. Um, Like you said, he was a big-time recruit. So not too surprising, but still good to see that he is um, taking that step. Next guy, who do you want to highlight that you've been impressed by this spring? 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to go with Leonard Taylor. And, um, you know, I guess maybe not a super surprising name to hear, but I feel like we find, I mean, I thought physically he's been looking way more impressive just in photos and videos and all that stuff, but just ca- kind of having a, a chance to stand next to him on Saturday while he did press conferences. And, you know, I saw him a lot, a ton as a senior at Miami Palmetto. And, you know, he would, he never really had a bad body, but you know, he had a right. body that could be reshaped a little bit and kind of like reconstructed to where that number three overall player, five-star defensive tackle, top-ranked player at his position in the country could just turn into an absolute monster at the college level, you know, with the with the weight room and all that stuff. That was something that we talked about when he was coming in. And just looking at him now, it feels like he is a big-time college defensive tackle physically. You know, I think that, we, well, right. of course, we saw the flashes last year. Uh, I think when he was on, he was Miami's best defensive tackle. I think I believe he led the defensive tackles and, like, tackles for loss to sight despite the much smaller – uh, you know, workload, yes. um, you know, I think he's just ready to just sort of be that guy. I think that that's what they're sort of aiming for him. I think those are the goals he has for himself. And, um, you know, I just think he looks really good. And I know people have kind of maybe got caught up like, oh, maybe some of the other guys are rotating reps with like the, I mean, Leonard Taylor is the guy, man. I think that he is just yes. the most talented one of the probably arguably potentially the most talented uh, player on the defense. I think James Williams would probably you know, be the other debate there, but man, I mean, Leonard Taylor just looks like a guy physically that is going to take the next step. And he still has the rest of the spring. He still has all of summer and obviously into fall camp to still continue to get bigger, faster, stronger, all those types of things. But man, just looks really, really good. The way you sort of expected him to look the way you hoped he would look at this point of his career. Yeah. No more, no more baby fat, right? He's turned some of that body fat percentage, which wasn't bad to begin with, but he's turned that into muscle mass. And uh, you're right, like the freak defensive tackles uh, weigh 300 pounds, but they look like they're 280 because yeah. they're so lean, right? Um, or relatively lean for that size. And uh, that's, that's how Leonard Taylor is trending. Um, and I agree. I think he's, of course, going to have a special season this year. Um, and yeah, I, he's got plenty more time to continue to improve his physical attributes between now and the start of the season. Um, I also like that he's getting essentially personal coaching uh, with the way that they are splitting up the defensive line uh, coaching staff. So Joe Salavea working with the inside guys, and that means Leonard Taylor's getting even more attention than if they just had one defensive line coach for everyone so. and just and w- one more thing i mean just even talking to him on like you know hearing what he had to say on saturday it sounds like the game is kind of slowing down for him too which yeah. i think is big because at times it's like as a true freshman your head's kind of spinning i feel like he's kind of getting acclimated to the college game and that i think when he starts playing like instinctually rather than like you know maybe hesitating or anything like that when you just have a better understanding um i think that's big too and i think that would obviously make a, a huge difference just for for lt and and, you know, for, you know, where his career is sort of trending. Yeah. I think seven and a half tackles for loss was the number last year for him only played 200 snaps. So I would expect that snap count to double at least. Um, and, you know, I would be surprised if the tackle for loss number is not in the double digits, um, big time talent. Who is the next guy you want to highlight that you've been impressed by? out in spring practice from what we've been able to see so far. 
Yeah, just another another guy on defense. Um, I know there's plenty of other guys to sort of note, but um, you know, Avante Williams is a guy that you know again. I think the coaches are continue to sort of speak highly of. Uh, made that big play uh, on that Thursday practice that we saw. I think that's a lot of what maybe had the recruiting services like you know like are so high on him coming out of of high school. Um, again, I think a guy that could potentially benefit from just the consistency. Obviously, had that situation last year where he was away from the team for a time. Uh, it sounded like he was in, in line to be a starter now that he's back and fully acclimated with the program. And I think still continuing to just, you know, be on the right path and, you know, do the right things and all that stuff. I think he could be, um, you know, a massive help uh, next to James Williams. I think he compliments James Williams really well too. And, uh, you know, he definitely has that ball hawking type of, you know, safety skill set that I think could just be so valuable for Miami and a team that looks to, I mean, has just has always looked to take the ball away. Obviously that's one of the big things you want to do on defense. I think Avante Williams could be a big part of, of what he, of what, of just all of that. And, you know, just seeing him being so reactionary and his instincts towards just finding the football and high pointing it, doing all the right things. And, um, you know, I think Avante Williams could be a, a huge, huge uh, addition to the defense when he's like fully in it. You know, I feel like we didn't see that a ton last year, maybe the right. lot in the back half of the year, uh, some when he sort of kind of got back into the mix a lot, but, um, you know, a fully integrated, you know, uh, Avante Williams, I'd be, I'm really excited about. The thing I like about what Avante's doing this spring is he plays so fast, you know, yeah. they, they do these, uh, like it's clear in these first few practices, Josh Gaddis, he's building out kind of like, uh, swing pass looks, um, to the slot receivers mm -hmm. and um, with those looks, you can really see how Avante flies to the ball. And he's also probably a little more physical than you would want as a coach. Uh, but he is finishing those plays with physicality. Yeah. Like, you know, they're not tackling to the ground yet. Um, no one does anymore, but, he, but he's hitting a little bit. <laughs> he's he's kind of letting it go, letting it fly a little bit. So kind of like pushing the limit of what a thud is. Um, but again, that's Avante. And I think that's fine as long as he doesn't injure anyone. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this is, this is a big year for Avante. Uh, he, he needs to show that he can be the guy we thought he was as a recruit. Last year was definitely, um, I think it would be a tough year for him to kind of get his footing under him with um, the stuff he went through um, with the stop, start, stop, start. Uh, but hopefully all that stuff is behind him now. He's learned from it. And now he can just go play ball and uh, take advantage of this opportunity. Um, because you're right, him and to me, him and James are, you know, through six weeks, they're the strength of this defense. Yeah. And uh, it's good to see both those guys making plays and for the most part, playing well off of each other. So my three guys, I want to start with, and, and this might be low hanging fruit and easy and obvious, but I still think it, it's worth mentioning. Um, I'm going to go with Tyler Van Dyke. Um, and again, I, I know it'd be easy to overlook him or, or just assume he's out there being, um, really productive in practice, but I think it's worth mentioning how he seems to be taking to this offense pretty seamlessly. Um, 
I don't think, I know I probably assume it's easier than it really is, but transitioning from one style of offense to another style of offense, I think it's tougher than we all realize. Um, and I, I think Tyler Van Dyke, especially in week two, he looks very, very comfortable running this offense. Um, and I think this offense is going to suit him really well. I think it's going to help him be an even better quarterback for the professional level because this offense has him throwing to all parts of the field. It allows him to spread the ball around more to ver- to different types of receivers. Um, there's more formations. There's more motion. Um, you know, I, the run play designs are different, which will help open up the passing game. Uh, I like how they, Josh Gaddis also has some easy throws built into the offense for the quarterbacks with various crossing patterns. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've just been very impressed by Tyler because, um, you know, I think he could have the attitude of, you know, I was awesome in that Rhett Lashley offense last year, which he was. Um, why do I need to play in a new system? Um, but he is definitely embracing this different style. I don't think it's like totally different, but it is different. And uh, I think he's been very impressive, particularly in that week two when, I don't know, the offense would get rolling pretty often. And uh, Tyler Van Dyke was typically the quarterback when that happened. I mean, I just think it's impressive how he's just kind of taken full command of the job. I feel like it's, you know, with Jake Garcia coming back and being healthy again. I mean, we've talked about it a ton here, David. Like, you know, some people thought that Jake Garcia could have potentially been the guy. I think that would have, I think this spring would have been a legitimate quarterback competition. um, You know, if Jake Garcia was fully healthy, because I think maybe it would have been less obvious that they would have had to go to Tyler Van Dyke, or maybe he would have gotten another shot. And I just think it's really impressive how Tyler Van Dyke clearly looks like the the best quarterback out there. Like, I think at this point, he, he feels like the best quarterback. I think he's playing like the best quarterback. I don't think anyone that's out there watching spring practice would question whether or not Tyler Van Dyke was the quarterback of this team. So yeah, maybe, yeah, you know what? I I think Tyler Van Dyke definitely, um, it's good. It's impressive. You know, I feel like sometimes things like this happen and it's just like, you never know what the new offense and all that stuff, but I feel like they've just kind of embraced Tyler Van Dyke as the guy. And, uh, you know, I think he's embraced that within himself and it just kind of like, he's sort of like still taking it. And I know it feels like it was never really in question, but with so much change happening, I feel like, you know, anything could could potentially have happened. And, you know, so for him to just sort of maintain that and just sort of hold grasp on it. And really, I don't think anyone's questioning it at this point. So uh, yeah, Tyler Van Dyke for sure. He's definitely the man. And uh, you know, if if Miami wins 10 games this year, I think it's going to be Tyler Van Dyke willing this team to that point, because we've talked about it. There's holes on this team. But one thing they do have that matters significantly is a big time quarterback. And, uh, you know, through six practices, learning a new offense, I think Tyler Van Dyke's been a complete stud. And, uh, of course, that's good to see at the most important position in sports. Uh, Second guy I want to highlight. That's a guy who is, it feels like in week two, uh, we, we, we've been discussing in week one, right, Gabby, what receiver is going to step up and what receiver is going to just take this job in terms of being an outside guy, 
that can be somewhat of a threat like like Charleston Rambo was. Um, we're not expecting that type of production. I mean, that would, of course, would be great, uh, but be a threat. Be someone that the defense has to account for on the outside. Jacoby George is starting to make a case and be that guy. Um, still too early to proclaim him to be that guy at this point, but he is on that trajectory of being Miami's primary playmaker on the outside. Um, he took a big leap during this second week of spring making plays. And it definitely seems like, you know, watching the video from Tyler speaking on Saturday, Tyler's feeling very confident in, in what Jacoby can do in one-on-one contested catch situations, which is basically what him and Charleston Rambo were doing during that second half of the season, right? Rambo got one-on-one coverage on the outside. Tyler Van Dyke's just going to feed him the ball. And it feels like Jacoby is starting to earn that type of confidence from Tyler. Yeah. And I think that's a really big deal. I mean, again, we're looking at who's going to be that guy to step up and uh, I'm not, I, I feel like, I mean, David, I feel like you've been kind of a, the Jacoby George guy throughout all this. And, you know, maybe he probably wasn't my top guy to be like, Oh, I think he's going to be the one that steps up on the outside. I mean, but I mean, he's definitely done it. Uh, not super surprising watching what he did in high school. I mean, I know there's some, well, I mean, me and Andrew Ivans went to go watch him one day and he just made a bunch of circus catches uh, for South Plantation or Plantation against South Plantation. Um, and so, you know, to see him sort of doing this at this level isn't crazy surprising. Um, I think that's big that Jacoby George stepped up. I think, uh, you know, you have one of those guys that's still sort of coming up, a guy that's just going to be a true sophomore now. And, uh, you know, if Jacoby George is going to be that guy, I'm, I'm very open to that. I think there's still a few other guys here that need to step up. But seeing at least one of them do so is a, is a really big deal. So uh, that's that's awesome that Jacoby George is taking that next step. Do you feel like, and again, this might be early to proclaim this type of stuff. Do you feel like he could be Miami's leading receiver in terms of yardage? Are you ready to go there yet? Or do you want to see how the rest of the spring finishes out? Yeah, I kind of want to, I kind of want to wait and see how the rest of the spring finishes out. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it. Um, but you know, I do think that, you know, Romello Brinson is, is a guy that's still sort of working his way back. I mean, I know people are really excited about Romello, what Romello Brinson can do too, as you know, an outside guy, uh, you know, definitely had opportunities to make plays as a true freshman also, and, you know, definitely kind of fits the bill of what an outside receiver should look like, you know, just being, you know, like, like, you know, roughly six, two, and I don't know what he's weighing now, maybe 185, 190. Um, so, you know, I think Romello Brinson is someone that could still be intriguing. I mean, we've seen what Xavier Restrepo can do and, you know, I think he could be a top target for Tyler Van Dyke out of the slot and, you know, them two are very, very close. So I think Restrepo might have something to say about that. Um, but I mean, Jacoby George, if at the end of the season, we're talking about him being wide receiver one, I'm, I, I wouldn't bat an eye at that. Yeah. He's making big time contested catches. Um, he's a six foot five eleven type of guy. Um, but he does have tremendous hands, like size wise, they are big hands. Um, he has that timing of when to attack the ball when it's in the air. Um, and he's, he's, he's a very confident guy. This is, uh, I don't know if I want to go down this road. He part of him, like I've, I've said, he kind of reminds me of like a smaller Amon Richards. 
he also kind of remind like just because he is kind of slider he's not like the biggest physical specimen of a receiver and i don't think he necessarily has as much twitch or like elite speed but part of his game kind of reminds me a little bit of odell beckham uh back in the day with with the ability to make those crazy one-handed catch contested catches um so don't get carried away. I'm not saying he is Odell Beckham, right. but there's like part of his game where it's like, there's a little similarity to me, at least. Let me, let me, I mean, so first recruiting event I ever attended uh, before I was like officially hired at 247, uh, Andrew Ivins invited me to, I think it was the Under Armour Miami camp. The first one, uh, I guess it was in 2020. Um, it was at North Broward Prep. First time I ever saw Jacoby George, I guess he was going to be a junior and um, first time I ever saw him uh, in person, at least uh, just in, in during that camp, he just makes a one handed grab in the end zone where it's just like he literally just palmed it like over the defender, yeah. like just right over his shoulder, just like literally palmed it and just brought it in. And I was just like, OK, like that was just like something that you just don't see people do. You know, you just don't see ordinary people just, you know, running at full speed, extending their arm and just literally just grabbing the ball. Uh, you know, while, you know, coming in from a quarterback. So I feel like Jacoby George definitely has some of that, you know, spectacular catch type of deal that, you know, OBJ has obviously displayed a ton. And again, not making any crazy comparisons, but just kind of giving a little bit more intel into your line of thinking. Yeah, he's got to keep doing it. We got to see it throughout the whole spring. Uh, But so far, what he showed in week two, it's, it's a good sign. It's a good trajectory. So keep stacking those practices. and yeah, at the end, if he does that at the end of the spring, it's going to be pretty safe bet to pencil Jacoby in as a starter. I feel like, uh, the third guy I wanted to highlight also on offense, um, uh, DJ Scaife. Um, he's just, he's doing a solid job at right tackle. You know, I think I, I still prefer him as a guard. Don't get me wrong. I, I, they have to play him at right tackle now because of what's available. Um, but he is definitely doing a nice job protecting Tyler Van Dyke. Um, and so I look at it as, look, I think when both Jalen Rivers and John Campbell are able to be full goes, I think they should also explore both those guys at right tackle. Um, but if DJ Scaife, to me, DJ Scaife can still be the floor. He's the floor of what they have at right tackle. Um, so if if Jalen or John turns out to do a better job in the coach's eyes than, than DJ, they can kick DJ back inside at guard. But I do think it's worth highlighting he's doing well at right tackle. What does that mean for the defensive ends he's going against? We could have a conversation about that, I think, but just what he's doing out there uh, with what's put out in front of him at practice, DJ's doing a nice job. Yeah, and I feel like Coach Mirabal, Alex Mirabal, was speaking really highly of him. I feel like he was praising him the other day. I think it was Thursday when uh, he had the media availability that DJ Scape was just one of the guys just that's just really sort of maybe stepping up, so... Uh, welcome that, I guess, you know, offensive line, definitely a position that needs to step up again. What does that really say about the defensive ends? But, you know, I'm, 
I mean, I, I don't know. Let's I, I, I can, I can buy that with this new coaching and just sort of watching it and how hands-on even Mario Cristobal is with Alex Mirabal um, and those guys, you know, sort of just attacking it. I, I mean, I could see maybe there's they, they can just get better. I can see DJ Scape just being better than he was last year or, the, or who that he's been throughout his career because of the level of coaching. So I'm encouraged about DJ Scape and I'm, I'm glad you highlighted him because, uh, you know, definitely someone it seems like the staff is high on. I've seen plenty of bad offensive line play at Miami during the spring, like so bad to the point where it's hard for the offense to even function. And it's like, how are how are the coaches evaluating anything on the offense? Um, how, what type of work is the quarterback getting right now? Because this isn't realistic. It's not, it's not going to be this bad in the game uh, because you know guys are out, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, this offensive line is definitely allowing Tyler Van Dyke to function. I feel like he has all day to throw more times than not, and. Uh, so again, DJ Scave doing a nice job. Need to step up. Gabby, who do you want to see? This is a nice little transition. Honestly. It's a perfect transition. I think it worked out really well. <laughs> who needs to step up? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the defensive ends, you know, just I'm looking at Chance Williams. I'm looking at Jafari Harvey. Um, I mean, Miami just brought in a transfer, Mitchell Agude. I think that tells you something about how they feel about the room. Um you know, again, not saying that maybe they, they probably could add transfers at a lot of positions. I know we've talked about that at length, but, you know, you, they brought another guy and there's, there's going to be another body competing in that room. And if one of those guys, you know, kind of doesn't want to lose a ton of reps, or I mean, it's going to be more of a competition once Agude gets there in the summer. And, um, you know, I dropped on the board the other day. There might be another transfer at, at the position that Miami's looking to potentially add. I mean, I know that they're looking at you know, Jacksonville State transfer DJ Coleman. Again, I don't think anything like formal has happened in terms of offering, but I think he's a name that's intriguing for them. Uh, he's like an FCS All-American. Um, so, you know, they, I think they're still exploring to see if there's any more guys out there that, you know, could potentially come in and help. Like, I don't think that they're just settling on with just Mitchell Agude. Uh, I think that they're kind of just looking to see how can, they can improve this roster. And I think the defensive line as a whole is one that they're sort of attacking. And Mario Cristobal sort of attacked us at, I mean, since he got to Miami, has kind of pounded the table about the trenches. And I think it's obvious right. that on the defensive line, Miami might not be where they want where they want to be, like Mario, where Mario Cristobal wants them to be. I think it starts with those ends. I think those guys need to continue to step up and, you know, sort of just elevate their game because um, I don't think that this staff is super worried about, you know, maybe even hurting feelings or anything like that. Like, I think if there's a guy out there that they believe could help them in 2022, I think that they could yes, potentially they explore to. those options and they should. And, uh, you know, so I think if those guys want to just have a role in this defense or just have a, a significant role, I mean, I'm looking at both those guys, two highly rated recruits coming out of high school. Um, I think both of them are talented enough. I just think there just needs to be a little bit more. So I'm looking at both Jafari Harvey and Chance Williams. And we got great reviews from Jafari Harvey in the offseason strength programs. Um, you know, I, I just feel like he needs to translate onto the field. Chance Williams is a guy that definitely, I feel like, needs to take that next step as well. And if both of them do, and they have a goody in the room and a healthy Elijah Roberts or whatever it is, you know, I, I, could, I can get really excited about them. But I just think I need to see a little bit more based on what we've seen this spring. I agree. And I'll, I'll build on that point for what I want to see step up. And honestly, like this might be lazy, but I just want to see the, all of the defense step up moving yeah. forward. Right. There's just like the, the viewing portions we get to watch 
there's honestly very little resistance happening more times than not. Um, and, and look, Miami's offense, it is pretty good. Um, they obviously have a very, very good quarterback. Um, you know, there, there's definitely some pieces to like there on the offensive side of the ball, but you still need to see the defense have more resistance than it's giving right now, especially in my opinion, Gabby, like this early in spring, the cliche uh, that you always turn to uh, in spring or early in fall camp is the defense is always ahead of the offense. You know, typically it takes the offense a while to find a rhythm, um, but that has not been the case at all this spring, right? The offense is kind of, I would say, especially in the passing game, like they're kind of just, they're doing whatever they want more times yeah. than not. They're, ha- they're uh, definitely having their way. So, and look, I, I, I just, I, part of this too, like, I think the fan base needs to just enter this season and look, this can change with transfers, et cetera, et cetera. But this defense, it's going to have to be like a bend, but don't break type of defense. I do think the one thing I pounded the table on this in previous podcasts, the one thing they can improve on that they control is their tackling, right? So if they improve in that phase, um, I think that's a fair bar to set to expect them to clear. You improve your tackling, you make off opposing offenses have to work for points. Um, you know, I think, last year, what Miami's defense, I think allowed 28 points per game, something like that. I think it was something gross, like 36 points per game in the losses, um, make opposing offenses have to work for their points, tackle better. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I would like to see more playmakers kind of emerge on that side of the ball. I'm just not sure the personnel is there outside of you know, if we're being realistic, Leonard Taylor can be one. James Williams can be one. Avante can be one. I think Tyreek can, can be one. I think Cam Kitchens can be one. Um, but in terms of like total game changers, I don't know. Um, James Williams, Leonard Taylor is what I would point to there. Um, I just want to, I just want to see a little more, like, I want to see a little more like, okay, in, a, in that 11 on 11 period, the first team defense at least, you know, made, made the first team offense struggle a little bit. So, um, come on defense. I'm with you. I'm with just like the entire defense as a whole. Yeah. I think got to step up. I mean, again, James Williams, I mean, just after, I think another guy maybe we should just highlight a little bit. I mean, I feel like Kevin Steele was kind of talking about him in a way that like he's just really ready to just sort of take that next step. So really excited about him. I mean, linebackers, I mean, specifically linebackers, I think obviously need to, to step up. I don't know, man. I'm kind of encouraged about what Chase Smith could kind of look like being integrated into that room just because he's right. so long and he's but so different than what it, we have. Yeah, know? we need to it's see like... it. Exactly. For sure. But I feel like he's someone that could maybe be a pleasant surprise if he's kind of able to get in there. Kind of hate that he didn't get a spring, yeah, um, you know, to tough. kind of actually just be out there. So I think that side maybe just like kind of hinders that a little bit. But I'm just excited about the athleticism, like just how big and long he is. And I think that he could be a big sure. time linebacker maybe eventually. But um, yeah, I mean, the defense in general, it, it, it's a little bit surprising. I mean, it kind of is and it isn't surprising to me how how much the offense, I mean, even really the offensive line against the defensive line, how much of how like one-sided that's been. So yeah, 
especially early and they're learning yeah. a new offense, right? Exactly. Um, you know, I think we maintained this last year too. Like the identity of this team is going to have to be offensive driven. Yeah. Um, but still there is, there is, I think there are areas that this defense can improve that they can control and that, that will make the defensive side better year over year. Um, and of course too, transfer portal can also be a help. So we'll see if they do some work there. Um, let's take a break, Gabby. And on the other side, we can get into maybe some recruiting names you want to talk about either from last week or over the weekend and maybe um, tease some guys that might be visiting this week. All right, we are back. Gabby, recruiting never stops in the spring. Um, we recorded on Friday an emergency podcast um, with Bobby and Robbie Washington committing Thursday, Miami adding a transfer in Mitchell Agude. Um, how was the weekend? Who ended up popping in on Saturday for a practice, which, you know, we haven't really mentioned yet, but had Miami had a coaches clinic going on stars all over the place. Um, you know, Sean McVay was a speaker. Jimmy Johnson was there. Darren Rizzi, Ed Orgeron. So a lot of star power out there. A lot of juice going on, on the football field. Um, what recruits were there to take all the, all of that in? Yeah. I mean, a couple notable 2023 guys. Um, I'll start off with a five-star athlete, Samuel and Pemba. He's the top ranked athlete in the country, according to the, you know, the 24 seven sports composite. Um, so, I mean, I think that that was a, a big visit just to sort of get him on campus. Miami sort of views him more as like an edge rusher. So a guy that I think that can maybe get after the quarterback. I know that they're really, really excited about him. Someone Is he cool with that? Or does he see himself as like a tight end? I feel like he was kind of both at one point, but I feel like now he's starting to maybe like grasp that he's going to be more of like a pass rusher type. I think that again, I think he can do both. He played, he was in the same tight end room as Jaleel Skinner at IMG Academy last year. But I think that he's probably going to play more defense uh, this year. I mean, those guys had like Jihad Campbell and Malik Bryant and like a ton of just like absolute freak shows all over that defense last year. So I think it's a good opportunity for Mpemba to transition back to the, to the defensive side. Yeah. I think he's really cool with that. And, you know, he said like talking with Jason Taylor was, was really, really cool. And, you know, all those guys, and he loved uh, the practice. He kind of came away saying that he was feeling better about Miami than maybe he was going into the visit. And he did say that he came into the visit, you know, still feeling really good about them. So I think this was a positive step forward up for, for Mpemba. I forget, was he, did he go to Elite Prospect Day or is this kind of his first trip down with this staff? No, this was the first trip down. He was supposed okay. to be at the Elite Prospect Day. I'm not sure exactly what happened there. Um, you know, with those IMG Academy kids, it could be hard to get out of there sometimes just because like your parents aren't there to just be like, hey, let's go. So, um, you know, I think he, maybe he just got, maybe he just couldn't find a way down or wh- whatever it was. But yeah, this was his first time down at Miami um, for that. And he's a big time national guy who, who is like considered like, what's the vibe of like, okay, look out for these schools with him. Yeah. Uh, he just visited a uh, Missouri. Uh, that's where he's from. He's a St. Louis native. Uh, so Missouri is a school that's in there. He just visited Notre Dame and Michigan. Uh, those are a couple schools that are in there with him. I think Florida's in the mix as well. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else in particular. I think he's going to go see, I think he's going to go see Florida state. Uh, I think, you know, just a lot of those, you know, 
I mean, traditional schools, I think are all, are, are all pretty much in the mix for him just because he is a, he is a big time talent and maybe some like him at tight end. I'm not too sure about that, but it seems like a majority are kind of on board with him being uh, an edge guy. And then an offensive lineman visited that I know you've been excited about. Oh yeah. Getting down to Miami. Tell us who it is and what we need to know following that trip. Yeah. Monroe, Monroe Freeling. He's a top two for seven offensive lineman, true offensive tackle body uh, measured in, you know, six, seven, 283, 85 pounds. Um, really just, again, just kind of evaluating what Miami has on the offensive line. I mean, kind of need those true tackle bodies. Uh, he was really, I mean, I, I, I told our inside the U subscribers, like, you know, I think I thought that was one of like the most genuine, like, you know, just like best reviews maybe that I've gotten, you know, just since Hank sort of hanging out on campus, talking to these guys as they're walking out and all that stuff. Cool. I mean, he seemed like genuinely just like wowed by everything that Miami was, he was a big Oregon guy. I think he spent a part of his life out there, grew up watching Mario Cristobal and those guys. So he has a lot of respect for Cristobal, Coach Mirabal, uh, Coach Woodiel, uh, who also spent a ton of time there at Oregon with those guys. And, you know, just really he was saying that he kind of, before the visit, watched the U documentary to just kind of try to get an idea of what Miami was. And he said he didn't really understand what it meant by like, oh, it's just different at Miami. And he says now that he actually got to experience uh, Coral Gables in the university being around the practice during the coaches clinic with Sean McVay Ed Orgeron, Jimmy John, just a bunch of guys around. He says he gets why he gets why Miami's different. He called it one of the most unique cultures of any school that he's visited. I think Clemson and Notre Dame are going to be two schools that are going to be pretty tough to beat uh, lives in South Carolina now. And Clemson's a, a school that's definitely pushing and Notre Dame is an offensive line factory and they're on him a lot as well. But I think Miami did a really good job of of sort of cementing themselves into the thick of this recruitment. So uh, kind of got to wait and see it, how that goes, but I think Miami knocked it out of the park with Monroe Freely. I want to ask you too. So last Thursday, Brandon Ennis and some of his highly touted American heritage teammates yeah. also attended uh, practice, but I wanted to ask you about Brandon. He gave you kind of a, a quote that went viral saying, that was the best college practice he had ever seen, um, which I think, tell me if this is true or not. I don't, I honestly don't know. When, when South Florida Express, the, the seven on seven team, when they were out at LA, did they watch USC practice? I'm not sure if they watched the practice. I'm not sure if they had started spring or anything like that right. yet. So I, I don't know that he watched the USC practice from what I remember. Okay. I was just curious because obviously USC is, pr I think you and I would handicap still USC as the favorite. Uh, but Brandon and, and look, Miami is definitely in the mix for Brandon. Miami has definitely improved their standing with Brandon after the Mario Cristobal hire. Um, and he does continue to visit campus, which of course is always a good sign. Um, but I wanted to ask you just your takeaway from speaking with him following that visit. What, what, what did you, uh, come away feeling with Brandon and Miami? after that interview? Yeah, you know, I, I honestly think Thursday was a big visit. And um, yes, things had been trending, are probably are trending towards USC. And if that's where he ended up, I don't think anyone would be surprised with that. Um, but, you know, I think this was a, the first chance that Ennis really got to be, to just spend like maybe more intimate time with Mario Cristobal on that staff. I think the only other time he was there was for that elite prospect day. That was kind of a whirlwind all around with, you know, just a few staffers in place, um, you know, just a lot of people there. 
Um, so I think Thursday was a chance for these guys to just really sort of get an actual look at what Miami is under Mario Cristobal with Josh Gaddis there, with everyone going there, with, with just what a practice looks like at Miami. I mean, I don't remember the last time Brandon Ennis watched a Miami practice. So, you know, I, I mean, yes, I think Miami's always been, you know, quote unquote in the mix, but I mean, really, I think this was really in some ways, I think this was his first chance to really see what the program is now, you know, in, in its current state as it is now. So, you know, I do think Miami did a really good job. And, you know, when, when people read the quote, like, Oh, this was the best college practice or whatever it is like hearing it, like hearing it come out of his mouth and just how he was saying it, delivering it, it sounded genuine to me. You know, I don't think he was, he, he never strikes me as a kid. That's just like, he is a genuine guy. Yeah, he is. He's a straight up guy. I feel like he's always been that way. Um, I don't think he was like ha, giggling. Oh, this was a like, you know, I don't think he was trolling or you no, know, trying no, to no. make it more than what it is. I think that him coming out of the building, walking out of the facility, that was really what he was feeling. And, you know, he said that that's what he told his, his friends that were with them. We're talking about, you know, top two, four, seven cornerback, Damari Brown, uh, Mark Fletcher running back to Miami. He's been really high on for a long time. Damon Fagan, uh, you know, blue chip safety. I mean, th- those are the conversations they were having. Like that's how he framed it, you know? Right. So, um, I think that Miami did a really good job of putting their best foot forward there. Again, still a long way to go and, you know, they're going to have to get him back multiple times, but I do think that this was an opportunity for Brandon Innes to really evaluate. I think he has something to actually evaluate Miami on now that he's actually been able to see it. Is there anyone else you want to highlight that visited last week or do you want to spin it forward to maybe some names you're expecting in this week? Yeah, I mean, one more guy, uh, Ruben Bain, the Miami Central right. defensive lineman. Um, when I tell you he spent all week in Miami, I don't. That's not hyperbole. He spent all week in Miami. Uh, he got home from a college tour where he got to see the Southeast. He was on the tour. Jalen Brown, Dante Moore. So got to see Florida, Florida State, UCF, um, Auburn, Georgia, Georgia Tech. He got back to Miami on third on Tuesday night with the bus tour. Finished it off there. And then he spent Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Miami. So I think that's a big deal. Um, Obviously a local guy. uh, We've talked about, you know, pounded the table about the connections between Roland Smith, uh, Wesley Besaint, you know, Sabbath Joseph, and, you know, just it being Miami, his older brother, Reggie Reggie Bain, being a graduate assistant. So um, I think Miami's in a good spot there. People are saying, oh, he couldn't have spent all this time at Miami and not committed. From what I understand, just talk, even just talking to people in Coral Gables, nothing like that happened. I don't think they're expecting anything like that to happen now. But, you know, I think they do feel good about the relationship that they're building with Bain. And I think him being there for six days and like hanging out and oh, just yeah. like sitting in on meetings and just being a part of the program. I mean, it is a big deal. I mean, when we're talking about recruiting and following the visits, I mean, I think this is trending the right way for Miami. So uh, really like where UM stands there. But I do think it's worth mentioning that Ruben Bain literally spent five straight days at Miami, like the whole day. Big time local talent led the country in tackles for loss. I think yeah. what, 49 what and a half, I think it's just stupid, stupid, yeah, just stupid numbers. I, and I, I've said this in previous podcasts, like go watch his huddle film and it's fun. It's a fun. I mean, the guy is just shot out of a cannon and living in the backfield. Uh, big, big, big time player. Um, again, maybe a little sawed off, from being a five-star, but big-time talent, big-time playmaker. And, uh, yeah, it's a good thing that Miami's trending there. All right, let's spin it forward. Um, you know, who are some names that you want to highlight that might get in to Coral Gables at some point this week? 
Yeah, a few names and, you know, our our subscribers at Inside the U uh, could definitely take a look at this. It's been on the board now for, say, a few hours now. Uh, big name coming in on Tuesday. We're talking about local wide receivers. Uh, Hakeem Williams is expected in for Miami's, I guess, seventh spring practice. Uh, I think that's a big deal. A guy that was just named the Broward County Player of the Year in, in basketball after leading Stranahan to a state title. Uh, I think he, he averaged a double-double. Um, obviously what he's done on the football field. I mean, just a big, massive six foot three, six foot four type of body, a guy that just checks every box of what Miami's missing on the roster and needs to add to the roster. So, um, you know, a guy that spent a ton of time at Miami and Coral Gables at Hard Rock Stadium. I think it's a really big deal to get him back now. Like Innis, last time he was at Miami was for that elite prospect day on January 22nd. I think this is going to be a really great opportunity for him to sort of have a similar experience as Ennis in terms of just sure. taking in practice and just being around the program in a, just a more intimate setting. From what I understand, he might be the only guy there on Tuesday. So I think okay. that that's a big deal. Um, and then a couple others that are notable that are coming in on Thursday. Um, I mean, someone just, just a big name. We're talking about linebacker being a, a big need uh, top two, four, seven linebacker, Troy Bowles, who is the son of Tampa Bay Bucks defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles. He's expected in. I can't remember him ever being at Miami with the last staff. Right. I, think, I think this could be his first ever trip. Um, I think that's a, a big, big time talent that Miami could potentially get on campus. Uh, we're talking uh, just another top cornerback that can be on campus. Dijon Johnson, someone that we've talked about a lot on the website and on the podcast Tampa. Um, from Tampa Wharton. I think that he's finally going to make his way down to Miami. Um, another notable uh, visitor, Elliot Washington, who's a safety committed to Alabama from Venice over in like the, the Tampa area as well. Um, a couple others, uh, interior offensive lineman, Madden Sanker, who's a, you know, state championship, I think two time state championship wrestler over in Georgia. And he's going to be down here as well. I know we've sort of hinted on the site for a while that he was someone expected in this month. So definitely a few others in there. Uh, I would definitely encourage you to check out the site and, and see that group of guys that are coming. Cause it is a loaded group and, uh, definitely some big names. I feel like it's been so consistent since spring ball, spring ball started crazy. of just getting all these big names, David, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. I don't, I mean, I haven't seen anything quite like this before here at Miami. And, um, you know, I think this is just unbelievable what Miami has been able to do in terms of just attracting guys to campus and giving themselves a shot. Yeah. It's a different level in terms of like the consistency, like every practice, it feels like has at least, at least one top 100 player. Uh, in the country watching it. Um, so yeah, it's, they're definitely getting big time guys on campus, which is the first step in recruiting before we get out of here, Gabby, um, you spoke over the weekend with quarterback Jaden Rashada, yeah. who was the quarterback for the, one of the local seven on seven teams, the Miami immortals, um, which is the team that Robbie Washington plays for which is the team that Jalen Brown plays for. Jalen Brown did not participate this weekend. Um, but your conversation with Jaden Rashada, who, you know, all indications are he is the top target for Miami at quarterback this cycle as things stand right now. What, uh, how was that conversation? What did he have to say? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think one of the bigger highlights is just that David, like he knows like, they're sort of telling him like they're like he's their guy. Like Jaden Rashada is the quarterback that Miami wants. It seems like you know he's just continuing to develop those relationships and have those conversations. And he's hearing from a ton of different guys at Miami. I think what's coming up next, which people should be looking forward to, is just getting him on campus. 
Uh, I think that's going to happen here soon. He said that he should know by uh, Monday, which is the day that we're recording here. He said he should know by today. So at some point, what is when the official date is that he's coming could happen as soon as this weekend. Um, I'm assuming. So uh, definitely look forward to Jaden Rashada getting out. And then he just talked about, you know, throwing passes to Robbie Washington and, you know, what it's like building a relationship with Robbie uh, who just committed to Miami building a relationship with Jalen Brown, who will be his teammate once they, once Jalen Brown rejoins the Miami Mortals at the next tournament, not exactly sure when that's going to be, but um, again, both those guys are having conversations with Jalen Rashada and, you know, continuing to establish those relationships. Jalen Brown, obviously a guy that Miami's really high on. And, you know, I feel like it's trending in the right way. I feel like, again, said that here a few times already. I think Miami's in right. a good spot with Jalen Brown. So I think it's important that those relationships just continue to develop. And, uh, you know, it seems like he likes those guys and, you know, just enjoys, enjoyed playing with Robbie this weekend and just enjoyed playing with the Immortals. Do you have any idea how they did the seven on seven team, how they performed? Yeah. I don't know if they won a championship last I checked in, they were in the final four. Um, okay. So they at least made it really far. Uh, he said, uh, Jaden Rashada said that first day of pool play, they put up like 109 points and they were the number one seed. Um, just kind of talking to people there. It's like, they almost, they scored like pretty much like every drive during that first game, that first day of games over in Dallas. So um, I think that's, a pretty big deal. Uh, I, I, I was trading text with Robbie Washington. I was like, Hey, like, what do you, like, what do you think of Rashada? And his response was the kid is smooth, like one of the smoothest. So, you know, I think that's a, you know, high praise from, you know, those guys that are just kind of actually playing with them because they will be honest. They have been honest yes. about other players in the past. <laughs> so when Robbie, a guy like Robbie Washington, who has a really big personality, like if he's sure. saying that this He'll kid is honest. one of the, yeah, yeah. If he's saying like, this is one of the smoothest quarterbacks he's ever seen. Like, I think that's a, I think that's pretty notable. And even the immortals coaches just kind of talking to some of those guys, like one of them him. was just, yeah. One of them was just like, it's crazy. I want, I'm going to hear, I'm going to pull up like the, like the actual text of, of what he said, but um, here, I have it right here. Bad podcasting. Oh, you're good. He said, bro, he's crazy good from reading the field. And then his throws are just, wow. Kid looks like he's been playing with us for years. So, I mean, that's just guys that have, been around the game a long time that you know just high school coaches down here and you know Jaden Rashada is just kind of just really overly impressing everyone yeah. that he sort of encounters so um, that's a big deal I know on social media too he's been retweeting stuff and uh, others in the 24-7 sports network they've even reached out to me being like this kid is like unbelievable like I know again we talk about the big three quarterbacks between Arch Manning, Malachi Nelson, Nico Lieva, but I mean, Jaden Rashada is a guy that could potentially trend towards being a part of that group, like a part of the discussion when we're talking about top quarterbacks in the country, just talking to others that have maybe just watched him. Cool. Yeah. I mean, he's currently barely a five-star according to the composite. He's 31, I think in the country. So the top 32 get ranked as five stars. Uh, but it sounds like even from there, he might be trending up. So obviously everyone who listens to this podcast knows how important I think it is to stack talent at quarterback every cycle. You got to maximize that position every cycle. Uh, landing a Jaden Rashada is, would be phenomenal. I mean, that's that's what big time programs do. So uh, we will see if he makes it down at some point this spring. Signs are there. Sounds good. Um, but you got to get those feet on the ground and Coral Gables. So we will get out on that note. Uh, next spring football practice is tuesday so gabby and i will will do one of our quick hitter uh recaps from that day's events and uh till next time take care